I'm Commander Shepard, and Geek Rex is my favorite website on the Citadel. Hi, everybody. This is Kyle with episode 27 of Geek Rex Podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful week. This week, we talk about Captain Phillips, which Shane and I both saw, and we give our thoughts. And then I talk a little bit about 12 Years a Slave, which I was the only one who saw it, but it's a fabulous film, and I try to sell the guys on it a little bit, and I hope uh, everyone listening here gets a chance to see it. It is an emotionally gripping and taxing film, but it's probably the best one I've seen so far this year. Then we touch on Infinity and Forever Evil and do a little comparing and contrasting on what both DC and Marvel are doing with their big crossovers that are currently occurring. And then we try to talk a little bit about some of the uh, non-superhero comics that we're also reading that we're hoping more people will read. And we provide a little bit of recommendations for some books that fall outside of the superhero milieu. You can find all of our thoughts and opinions on all things geek at geekrex.com. Follow us on Twitter at geek underscore rex and like us on Facebook. Captain Phillips, Captain Phillips, you uh, were so brave, sir. Uh, <laughs> this uh, past couple weeks, we've gotten a couple more Oscar films that have come out, and one of them is the uh, indomitable film about Captain Phillips and his uh, extraordinary journey uh, in his uh, being held hostage by Somali pirates. Uh, it's a film uh, that I know Shane was very excited about seeing, and I got a chance to catch it a couple weeks ago as well. But we never really got a chance to chat about it last week since we were so bogged down with New York Comic Con news. So I thought we could talk about it a little bit here and uh, sort of get uh, if it met uh, with Shane's expectations. What did you think, man? Um, I I enjoyed it. Um, I'm not really sure exactly what my expectations were going in. I just get excited whenever a new Tom Hanks movie is coming out. I don't know what it is about him. Um, I think it's because being from Alabama, he kind of has endeared himself to most Alabamians by playing Forrest Gump. So I, I think that's what it is. But I don't know. I was just excited to see it because of him. And as the first couple of trailers, I was kind of just like, oh, that looks decent, but I can wait to check it out. But just something something about it kept drawing me back to it. And um, I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't as, um, I guess I should say, tense and action-packed as the trailers and uh, film reviews they were putting on the trailers would make you believe but it was still a very emotional movie that maybe it didn't have as many surprises as i was hoping it would um it seemed to kind of hit some of the same emotional beats the trailers implied it would in terms of the storyline with the uh uh somali pirates but um it, i think uh, tom hanks delivered a fantastic performance and he's obviously the one thing to mostly talk about with that movie, but um, overall, I enjoyed myself. I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I felt kind of the same way. Way like I, I was excited about it, but I wasn't um, like like I it wasn't like one of those movies that I felt like I had to see it like the night it opened, which is what right. I which is what I ended up doing anyway, uh, <laughs> with no, no with no other options. But 
Um, you know, I like Paul Greengrass as a filmmaker, so I, I think he has got a, a sense of verisimilitude to the uh, to to his source story that kind of makes it makes the whole thing feel a lot realer than say if a um, I don't know. I'd say Ron Howard was doing it instead. Not that I have any problem with Ron Howard, but I'm just saying in comparison, the story feels a little closer to heart than mm-hmm. it would be than some big mythical journey. Um, right. I, I liked it. I liked it pretty pretty well. Uh, I mean, just to you know, give the plot overview of the film. Basically, you know, Captain Phillips. He's I think he's from Massachusetts or Vermont, something like that. Some, uh, Vermont, I think, because at the end they say he returned home to Vermont. So. Yeah, and so basically, he, you know, he's on this Maersk, Alabama ship, and uh, it's a it's a ship that's a uh, a big, big uh, private uh, contracting freighter that's on a journey around the Horn of Africa, uh, and uh, he ends up uh, going a little too far astray, basically, and he gets caught off off the coast with uh, by by some Somali pirates who get on on his on board his ship, and all hell breaks loose from there. I I, I will say I, I there were some parts where I was really grabbing the, my armrests quite a bit. Really? Yeah, I, I, and I think it had to do with um, the the feeling that uh, it was almost like a bait and switch. Like I, I, I should I should recognize that these these starving Somali pirates really should represent little threat to a bunch of dudes that are on these ships. But somehow Greengrass was able to make these guys very scary, and I, that's effective filmmaking. Uh, he's a very good director. And uh, Tom Hanks's performance was very strong, uh, particularly in its in, in the film's final moments, which I thought right. were just heartbreaking. Oh God! I mean, I was I, I was getting choked up a little bit, you know, uh, which is kind of becoming a theme for me. It seems in the past couple <laughs> of weeks and movies I've seen somehow. But um, the only thing about the movie I didn't love was I kind of thought that the script was more undercooked than the actual um, accoutrement surrounding it. Like, um, the, the, uh, Greengrass was making the most of that script. Tom Hanks was making the most of that script. Uh, the actor uh, who played Muse was making the most of that script. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think there were still some issues with the script itself. For example, I don't feel like I ever got a chance to know Captain Phillips at all. Um, I, I understood his plight, but I'm not sure mm-hmm. I understood the person. And I think that might be a bit of a challenge for a film uh, titled Captain Phillips. Um, I only got like little glimpses. And in, in many films that could work okay, but there was just something about this leading performance that I sort of wished I knew a little more. Um, it also occupied a weird middle ground for me. Uh, like Last year we had Argo and we had Zero Dark Thirty. And I thought Argo was a real, real crowd-pleasing kind of film that uh, you know people could kind of pump their fists about, and you know it, it's a it told a real story. But when uh, when all those uh, folks from the Canadian embassy they got on that airplane and they're running to get to that plane to get away from all those Iranian you know uh, nationalists and stuff, they um they you know, there's something exciting about that. There's something about the way Argo works that I found really fascinating, uh, even though it, I'm not necessarily sure it would have been my favorite movie of that year. It, it wasn't. Uh, on the other hand, you have a film like Zero Dark Thirty that's all about procedure. 
and is a film that's just just the facts. It's just the facts, just the facts, just the facts. And I think I feel like Captain Phillips tried to do a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I think Captain Phillips is a film that really focused on the triumph side of things, particularly in its end moments. Uh, when obviously Richard Phillips gets out of that ship and he is saved. Um, but at the same time, uh, there's all of this procedural stuff about the Navy SEALs. And maybe it's because it involved the, Na- the SEAL Team 6, the exact same SEAL team that uh, uh, eliminated Osama bin Laden. Mm. But I, I couldn't help but feel like they were trying to get some of that same realism from Zero Dark Thirty. The, the idea of this is a film about opening doors and answering phones. And I don't know. I'm just not sure it captured the feeling of either particularly well. It's not a bad movie. It's a movie I liked, and it's a movie I can recommend to a lot of people. I don't feel like I wasted my time at all. But yeah. I'm not sure it's a great movie. And I don't know. That That's kind of a disappointing thing in a way because I loved United 93. So just just one of those things that uh, I, I, I kind of I, – I can see – I can still see the praise for the movie, but I'm not sure I can see it as a best picture contender. No, I think uh, if anything, it'll just be a vehicle for Tom Hanks uh, for that uh, for that performance. Um, although allegedly uh, they're going to be pushing harder for his performance as Walt Disney to get the Oscar nod than this performance, which I find very odd. Yeah, I heard that actually. Um, I I've had, some of the early reviews have actually come in for saving Mr. Banks. And it sounds like it's a real crowd-pleasing winner, uh, at least at this point from every advanced review I've read. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's really the kind of movie I'm going to enjoy, but uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't really like the Blind Side either, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I might have, some, I might have some trouble with this movie. But uh, you know, there, there's a certain type of movie that really appeals to the heartland of America, quote unquote. And Saving Mr. Banks might be it. This might be the year of Tom Hanks winning a Best Actor trophy at some point. I don't know. But but I'm going to counter that, though, by saying I think I saw the best acting performance I've seen this year from a lead actor uh, in 12 Years a Slave uh, via Chiwetel Ejiofor. Oh, my God. Guys, seriously, you got to see this movie. It is the most heart-wrenching thing I've ever seen in my life, uh, particularly from a film this year. I, um, I I wasn't 100% sure what I was going to expect with 12 Years a Slave because I, I know Steve McQueen, Steve McQueen is a very visceral filmmaker and is uh, very, speaking of guys that, that focus on re- the reality of the situation, he, he focuses on pain quite a bit and addiction and a lot of uh, a lot of the underbelly of society and some of the things we try to turn away from and if folk, and if you ever see his films hunger or shame uh, that's the, sort of the central focal point of some of his work with 12 years a slave I don't know if you if, if anyone out in geek Rex land got a chance to read Hannah's review of that but I gotta tell you she's dead on the money when she talks about how the mental state, of authority can impact someone and that's really what 12 years a slave focuses on yes the idea the central plot point is around um solomon northrop and his uh kidnapping and placed into slavery from his freeman status in new york um and uh his the travails that he goes through over a course of over a decade on on various southern plantations but 
uh, it's interesting to me that it's a film that not only focuses on Northrop, but it also focuses on the owners that uh, that have him under their possession, basically. And it's probably the best Benedict Cumberbatch performance I've seen in a film this year, which is not very hard to do right. <laughs> at this point. <laughs> um, and Michael Fassbender is unbelievable as uh, his much meaner owner that he gets later. Uh, I, I have, I gotta say, man, this is a movie that broke my heart in a million pieces. And by the end, I was sitting there with uh, Raphael from Film Dispenser. We were sitting next to each other. And we just and I I think I think I had tears in my eyes by the end of this thing, and Raphael was pretty choked up too, and um, it's it's a movie that it's slow it feels every bit of its two hours but you never want to get up like you just you're just enraptured by what's happening, and you can't believe just how how evil we were in our own country to our own citizens, you know, and to the way we treated people for, you know, decades upon decades upon centuries, even, uh, this idea of forced servitude is just unbelievable. And I mean, you'll, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie that's dropped the N word so many times in my life, but particularly in such a fashion, but I, I, I gotta say 12 years a slave might be the best film I've seen this year. And I've seen a lot of good ones, uh, a lot of bad ones, but that one is towards the top. Um, I can't recommend it enough. It's supposed to be opening wider on 11.1, so Shane, you might get a chance to see it uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Harper, you have no excuse. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will definitely try and go see it after hearing that. Uh, hearing that and reading Hannah's review, it, it definitely seems like something I should go check out. Well, I mean, it's 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 not a it's not a pleasurable movie. <laughs> you know, it's one of those movies that you experience more than you enjoy. But I felt that same way about Shame too, though I, I found a lot to enjoy about that movie performance-wise, and I feel the same way about Twelve Years a Slave. So I can't recommend it enough to everybody that's out there. If if you're looking for a really great film to see, um, if you haven't seen Gravity, go see Gravity. Uh, if you have not seen 12 Years of Slavery and you have the ability to do so, go see that. I mean, this is like the best one-two punch before the Oscars that we could have possibly gotten. So it's a great start, and I'm hoping The Counselor, which opens uh, this weekend, I think, uh, is going to be living up to any of those expectations, but I'm just not sure. Are you going to go catch that this weekend, Harper? Uh, probably, yeah. I'm pretty psyched about that one. All right, well, we're going to... Uh, we're gonna see just how it goes, and hopefully, uh, hopefully that that will uh, continue the streak. Fingers crossed that Ridley Scott returns to returns to form. Now we're gonna move on to our bit of a comics talk. We haven't talked about comics in weeks and weeks and weeks, and there's just been a lot of things happening in the news side of things that we just had to cover. So we haven't really had a chance to talk about some of our favorite comics of the past couple weeks. And we've been hoping to catch up particularly because both DC and Marvel are in the midst of huge events. Huge events. Um, so they're in the midst of Infinity and, of course, Forever Evil, which was originally Trinity War, which led into Forever Evil. So we've got a massive set of events that have just been going on and on and on. 
Um, I'm curious, guys, have you been enjoying the events thus far from either company? Shane, I'd, I'd love to get your opinion, especially since I think you and I read about the same amount of Marvel every month. So, um, Yeah, I've been liking Infinity quite a bit. I feel like the main book uh, itself has improved with each issue. I can't say the same for every single uh, Hickman-written tie-in. Um, I feel Avengers has uh, staggered quite a bit. Um uh, with this most recent issue that came out last Wednesday being pretty forgettable. Um, I, I can't even tell you without opening up what really happened in that issue. <laughs> um, New Avengers, on the other hand, has been fantastic, uh, that side of things. And uh, uh, part of me thought it might have been because the uh, builder's side of the Infinity storyline hasn't been that interesting. But number four of Infinity, which came out two weeks ago, uh, or two weeks ago this Wednesday, was fantastic and it made that storyline so much more interesting for me so i don't know what happened with avengers but it just it, it's kind of been the black sheep of this uh this storyline but um overall i think infinity has been very solid and uh it says a lot that marvel's de uh delivering this sophisticated event that doesn't feel so um i guess I want to say mainstream, but that doesn't feel like the right word as like Avengers versus X-Men or things like that. Things that you can just like promote and people who've never heard of this stuff are going to be interested because, oh, the Avengers and the X-Men are fighting. But this seems it, it, it's it's that a next level above, maybe several levels above that um, in terms of Forever Evil. Um, it's hard for me to comment on it because I feel like we're still just kind of getting into the midst of it. But. I'll say I've enjoyed everything I've read so far. I haven't read any of the tie-ins, but I've enjoyed the main book, and then I uh, enjoyed this week's JLA very much so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I sort of feel the same way. Harper, if you don't mind me, go ahead. No, go ahead. Say, um, I, I really like Infinity a lot. Like It's one of the best events I have read probably in the past. God, I don't know. What's the last event I liked from DC and Marvel? Um, I, probably since Final Crisis. That might be the last one that I really enjoyed without any hesitations. So, the, like, Infinity is sort of like that next one for me. And it's kind of funny because I guess you could find a lot to compare between, like, Jonathan Hickman and Grant Morrison anyway for their sort of, like, widescreen-style storytelling. Though I'm starting to notice, Harper, maybe it's just me, but doesn't Jonathan Hickman read a lot like Warren Ellis? Uh... Yeah, not as good as Warren Ellis to me. Jonathan Hickman seems like a let's hold all the cards back until the very end right. kind of kind of guy. Which yeah, drives sure. Me nuts. Well, I just mean from his big scope style story. Oh yeah, in that, in that sense, absolutely. Yeah, I mean it. It really like his Avengers reminds me almost of like the Authority in a way, and sure. um, I mean that's they've kind of been building to that forever, you know. With uh, I mean with the Ultimates, they probably always wanted the Avengers to be kind of like the Ultimates were years and years ago. But I, I I like Infinity a lot. I of course I'm a sucker for that cover that cover color scheme that's going on. Um, I love the fact that the tie-ins from Hickman are the exact same color as his Infinity books are, and they're all the colors of the Infinity gems. At least I'm hoping that last issue is going to be a Infinity gem color <laughs> to sort of keep it all lined up. For those of you who don't know, Hickman is a big sucker for color schemes. Um, even his indie books. Uh, have like certain color schemes that go with them. Like all of his Manhattan Projects trades are going to be the colors of the rainbow, and um, his his uh, other uh, indie books like um, 
Red Mask for Mars and Red Wing and uh, Transhuman and, and Nightly News and uh, Pax Romana, they all have different colors that they line up to, which are also sort of like test colors from a television uh, set. So it's it's kind of neat that how he lines that up. It's just a thing that he's into, which really turns me on, I guess. But <laughs> I, I like the tie-in issues okay. I, I'll say this. I, I sort of rank the plots of Infinity in a certain order. Like, I see the Black Swan incursion plot is the most interesting plot that's continually going on in the background of Hickman's, like, mega Avengers arc. I think the Thanos storyline is clearly one that Hickman's not that interested in telling, and that's probably the one that editors want him to tell the most uh, with the movies and everything coming up. But I actually think that's kind of interesting. And then the last thing is the Builders. I gotta be honest, I don't give a shit about the Builders. I think they're the most boringly designed characters imaginable. They look like bug men, and their actual like motivations don't make any sense to me. Agreed. I don't. I don't understand what they're trying to do. I guess somebody who's a big Hickman uh, supporter, uh, like some of those guys on the criminal uh, Facebook page, could tell me what mm-hmm. the hell's going on with uh, with with these builders. But I, I don't get it, man. It just sounds like they want to. It, it kind of reminds me of like the the Douglas Adams uh, re- reasoning for why they want to get rid of the Earth. They just want to like make way for a big super highway or something. <laughs> because I mean, you could tell me that's their reasoning, and I would believe it at this point. Um, but. I also have an issue with the the actual characterizations within Infinity. Like, I I, I understand New Avengers uh, in that everybody's got a defined personality, and I've, I've I've bitched about this before, but I'll continue to bitch about it. Um, everybody feels distinct. I don't necessarily feel that way about the Avengers that are out in space. Like, I, I feel like Captain America's character voice could be replaced with Thor's. And I feel like Thor's could be replaced with Captain Marvel's. And Captain Marvel's could be replaced with um, Naked Horn Guy, whatever the hell his name is. Ex Nilo or something. <laughs> uh, is, is that the guy's name? I don't even remember. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm having some issues with that. And I get bored sometimes when I'm just popping open an issue of Avengers. Like, I feel like that's where the story drags a lot. But. The sheer scope of the story is impressive. I tried to explain Infinity to Hannah the other day, uh, just because, uh, like that that issue where Black Bolt destroys uh, his home, Adelon, uh, right right above New York. And I was like, oh yeah, this is awesome. And Hannah was like, oh, what are you reading? I was like, oh, let me tell you about Infinity. It was very hard to explain that book. It took me like five minutes to like get around to an explanation of what the hell's going on. And she was like, well, I'm never going to read that because I'm not going to understand <laughs> it. And I was like, well, okay, fair enough. But I like it. It's fun. It, it, it's fun. I, I feel like as long as they stick the landing, this will probably be one of the best crossovers in years. And that's really a credit to, to Hickman's mega arc storytelling, whether or not I think all the pieces line up together well. I felt the same way about Final Crisis, though. I mean, not all the pieces lined up all that well. So, But it's, I still admired the attempt. As far as Forever Evil goes, um, well, it, it started. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't really know what else to say other than I'm, I'm very interested in how Jeff Johns handles villains. So, Jeff Johns... I think his his best writing is when he takes on a villain like Sinestro or Black Adam or, as Chris pointed out to me today, my buddy Chris, Captain Cold. 
uh, he's able to imbue them with a lot of personality and make them actually much more interesting than the heroes in some ways, I would argue. Uh, I mean, I don't know if anybody's going to find a better Jeff Johns written story than his arc for Sinestro throughout Green Lantern, but I, uh, you might argue with 52 and Black Adam. So uh, I'm, I'm very fascinated by what he might be able to do with Lex Luthor in Forever Evil. And it seems like Lex Luthor is going to be the lead character that is sort of taking the center stage here with Forever Evil. Though Batman kind of busted in at the last issue, so we might see some nice Batman and Lex Luthor interactions. I'm not sure. Um, also, some of these tie-ins that are coming up, like next week's tie-in for Justice League is going to be the origin, I think, of Ultraman. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. Uh, I think I wish that some of the Villains Month's books had done that instead. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, so what we get is uh, this 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 uh, style of storytelling. I'm fine that they're doing it this way because apparently I think it's they're they're telling Ultraman's origin and then Owlman's origin, and I can only assume Superwoman's origin will come next, and then they'll find they'll kind of hold their way on through the rest of the criminal syndicate, uh, crime syndicate. Um, I love that concept. I love those characters. I, I, the interactions between Deathstorm and Power Ring seem very interesting so far, but we still really don't know what's going on with the Justice League. We don't know where the hell they are. Uh, they're in, like, prison or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, Matt Kent's Justice League of America issue sort of established a little bit of where they might be, but it seems like they're sort of trapped in, like, uh, mental uh, holding cells somehow. The question being, uh, who put them there, since none of the people on the crime syndicate have those types of powers. Yeah, I mean, you have to uh, assume that maybe it was like Psycho Pirate or Simon or somebody like that, or Dr. Psycho. Because, you know, they got like, the crime syndicate, it's not the crime syndicate, but the Secret Society of Supervillains has that whole roster. So one of them is probably responsible, my guess. I mean, it it could be the the crime syndicate version of... um, Martian Manhunter. I think that's Malifa Ak. Uh, the last time I looked, but I don't know necessarily that that's going to be the case. But all all told, it's a good start. I mean, a good enough start. I think issue two is much better than issue one, and if issue mm-hmm. three is an improvement on issue two, it's going to be a good crossover. Um, we just don't know yet. Um, I, but it is kind of weird that I don't necessarily feel the epic. Um, the epic storytelling building in yet. Maybe that's because it's so early and because there's a huge break between the stories. Whereas with Infinity, it's, it seems like it comes out every single week. So right. <laughs> there is no break. But Harper, what do you think, man? I've, I've blabbed on long enough. So that What you just said is uh, it's kind of sums up my thoughts about both of them. Um, I think the Infinity comes out too often and Forever Evil come, doesn't come out often <laughs> enough um, in comparison. I think it would feel a lot more normal if we weren't reading an Infinity, you know, with three different issues every week, uh, you know, to compare it to. Um, I, I'm actually going to take kind of the opposite stance on Infinity with the, uh, saying that I'm extremely bored with it. <laughs> oh, really? Um, okay. Well, and, and I, that comes with the cave, same caveat I always give in that I'm reading probably what most people consider the two most boring books <laughs> involved, um, Infinity and Avengers. Um and I just like if you told me about the the concept of the the outer space part of it, I would I would think I would be excited, but I could not tell you anything that's happened in the past six issues. I mean, to me, it seems like the same thing happens every issue. We have 
we feel like there's going to be some either either Captain America says, oh, well, I think we need to I think it's time to surrender or we're on the offensive. And then next issue, it's like, well, OK, maybe we're not. We're still outgunned, outmanned. You know, it's just the same thing over and over again. And I, I 100 percent agree with you, too, that there is there's no character in that book whatsoever. Um, Captain is the most dull Captain America I've ever read in my entire life. Um, he's just like a, a, a cardboard cutout of himself. Um, and all the other characters are the same. They all have the same attitudes. There's no argument. There's no debate. It's just... And then on top of that, like you said as well, the I, I have no idea who the builders are or what they're trying to do or why why this is such a big deal. It's, it just seems like such a bland... Uh, you know, universe-threatening uh, thing. I just can't. I can't get psyched up about it. Uh, I'm. I'm. If I wasn't so far into it, I would drop it in a heartbeat. Um, I'm very, very bored with it. Um, and on the other side of it, like I said, Forever Evil is just. We've gotten two issues in the span of time, and we've probably gotten, I don't know, seven issues of Infinity um, between the all the main books for that. And so, by comparison, it's hard to even think about the two in the same way because i feel like i've hardly seen anything from forever yet but um i will say i do love the crime syndicate and i think the concept is fun um villains month really uh hurt it in my opinion i think if forever evil had just been coming out on its own it would be much more interesting and i'd be way more involved but villains month was probably the longest month of comics that i've ever had not not in a good way um i think that made it drag a lot uh, and and it, it doesn't help that the, all the other DC books I'm reading are 100% unconnected from it. <laughs> uh, when reading Wonder Woman and, and Batman, and they don't have anything to do with it, that doesn't really get me all geared up for the event or make it feel like it's uh, as big of a deal as they want to make it. So uh, I think I'm kind of uh, complaining on both sides of it that <laughs> uh, Infinity has taken over too much of the Marvel Universe and Forever Evil hasn't taken over enough. <laughs> That's a good so. point. Yeah, it's funny too because I know people that would complain one way or the other. Like yeah. they want they want their their events to feel like it has and like it has scope and that it takes over enough weight of the their a certain number of series so they feel like it has like a meaning. Mm-hmm. But then I there I know people that that say, well, damn that final crisis. It was just its own series and it didn't affect anything. You know, um, or they would say on the other hand, I don't want it to affect anything. I want to read my Green Arrow and peace you know yeah well and that's the kind of thing where i think forever evil might be a really fun book to read in trade you know six months down the road but month to month it just doesn't feel like it has much um much weight or much connection to the rest of the dc universe that i'm reading you know yeah yeah it feels like an extension of jeff john's justice league at this point i mean yeah it doesn't really have um like it doesn't feel like it has universe-wide impacts and a lot of that may also have to do with the fact that like the superman books and the batman books like you said have sort of their own thing going on and wonder woman's the same story green lanterns has got its own crossover happening so it there there it doesn't necessarily feel like it's in place with the rest of the universe and it doesn't seem like it's ever going to be unless yeah. there's some crazy post forever evil status quo coming that we're not aware of um we do know for example uh what the next two events are going to be for both companies supposedly um now I, i'm curious guys what do you think uh Shane you first 
uh, about like the way inhum- inhumanity in- slash inhuman has been seeded into Infinity. Is that something you're excited about, or do you think, oh god, here comes another event already? Um, I mean, it doesn't bother me. I mean, it used to bother me all the time when there was always another event, and I guess in some ways it always will, but at the same time, it's like, if I'm not going to read it, it doesn't offend me that it exists. Um, But, uh, no, I I don't plan on reading Infinity. I I find what's going on in Infinity, or not Infinity, in Humanity, uh, I I find what's going on with uh, the Inhuman stuff in Infinity is interesting enough, but not enough for me to pick up an entire book about it, much less an event book and a new comic book series about it. Um, unless Lockjaw gets his own book, I'm not going to be reading any of Inhumanity. <laughs> Weren't you happy that he was alive? Yes, I was very happy to crack open, uh, I believe it was Aven- no new, new Avengers and see that he was alive because I was, I'd been very worried about him for about three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I popped open that thing. I thought, oh, Shane's going to be happy. That's, <laughs> that's the first thing I thought of when I, when I read that book. Uh, but Harper, what about you, man? What do you, what do you think about in, this inhumanity stuff so far? Uh, I'm, I'm not really into it. I just, I, this is the first time I've really known or read anything about the inhumans, um, being infinity. So and I and I'm not obviously not that thrilled with that event, so I'm not all that interested in that that uh, continuation. Yeah, it, it's weird to me. Um, like I, I think the Inhumans are an interesting. I think they're they're an interesting race of creatures. Um, I think they're some of Jack Kirby's better creations, particularly Black Blackagar Boltagon, <laughs> <laughs> greatest name ever. But. I'm not sure that I necessarily like the way it was set up in Infinity Number Four. I was really bothered by what felt like sort of an ad for the next thing already. Now, if it plays directly into the climax, you know, with Thane's reveal and Thane's sort of evolution into the Thane that we saw rumored for weeks on end, then perhaps I'll I'll be more into where this is going. But uh, you know, as long as it stands alone. But if I feel like I have to go pick up Matt Fraction's book immediately, I'm gonna be kind of pissed. Um, but then again, I you know, if 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 Jonathan Hickman was writing it, not that I like Hickman better than Fraction, but at least I would feel like it's an extension of Hickman's story. With another writer coming on doing it, it just feels like another ploy. And I'm sad to say. This is not necessarily the kind of fraction, the writing I want to see Fraction doing. Like, I think Matt Fraction writes a certain book really, really well. Like, I think his, uh, you know, his street level stuff is excellent. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I read his Thor. I read Fear itself. That was that was not good storytelling at all. And I'm a little nervous about him swapping over into Inhumans. You know, this kind of mutiny, sort of discovering their power stuff with greater cosmic significance that I'm just not sure it's going to work. I also don't know if I'm going to be able to understand the difference between these people that become inhumans and these people that are already becoming mutants. Like, what the hell is the difference between the two? But maybe that's a really naive question. I think that's a pretty thin line. I have that. I have that issue too. I'd much rather just read an X Men book. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, if you're going to read about people, you know, coming to terms with powers, that's basically X Men. Um, but, uh, but perhaps uh, I've I've heard interviews with Fraction where he's trying to nuance that answer and he's trying to make it work uh, to the extent where he he says that there's going to be a significant difference between the two, but he won't explain what the difference is. So I'm still nervous about it. Needless to say. 
Um, the other, you know, there, there have also been rumors that DC is about to be leading into their own big event, which is their next September event, which is the five years later event. Um, I know we talked a little bit about that last week, but is that something that, you know, we, we, we would jump onto? Like, is that, would, would that be interesting to you to see, uh, them go into one issue of this is what happens to, to the DC universe in five years. And then the weekly series, which is rumored to be written by Brian Azzarello, Jeff Lemire, Keith Giffen, and forgive me for saying this for some reason, Dan Jurgens. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that, that, that excites you at all, this idea of the five years later uh, stuff, now that we're a little deeper into Forever Evil? I think it depends on on the impetus for what why we have to shoot ahead five years, like what happens. Um, 52 had a really good reason to do that. Right. Um, so it depends on the reason, but and I think it also... The five years seems like a long time, and it seems like an overly long time, considering that nothing ever really truly changes in the comic book universe. Five years seems like it wouldn't really be all that different. Um, but so for why they need to do it five years, that's what I'm curious about is what would be what would be such a big change. So it really depends on what you know what causes it or what the whole purpose is. What about you, Shane? Yeah, it's it seems like a good excuse to do the typical BS being like. Oh, guess guess who's dead five years in the future? Pick up yeah. pick up this book to find out that and see which teams aren't together anymore and who's a villain now instead of a hero and which villain is a hero now instead of a villain and that typical BS. And then what are you supposed to do when the actual continuity gets five years in the future? It's uh, I'll, I'll wait and see, but right now I, I'm not like just chomping at the bit for it. So. We're so pessimistic about comics, aren't we, folks? <laughs> Holy cow. I, I don't know. I'm kind of into the idea of, a, of another weekly series, but, um, I mean, it's got to be good. I, I, I don't – the five years later thing is fine um, if there's a plan and the plan is executed without a lot of editorial interference, which I really just can't trust DC to do at this point. But I like Jeff Lemire as a writer. I love Brian Azzarello, uh, and I have always had a fondness for Keith Giffen. I'm not so certain about what Dan Jurgens is doing there, but that's okay. <laughs> I guess you know, reward the company guy if you have to. But would I pick up another weekly book? Not if I'm buying the Batman weekly book. I mean, yeah. I mean, good lord, how many weekly books can I buy? Particularly for what's certainly going to be a th- another three ninety nine title. I mean, that's it's just going to be too much for me. Um, but uh, and then God, if the Superman Weekly title starts at the same time, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. But um, yeah, we 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 apparently lo- love the direction the big two's going in right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then be on the wa- lookout. Rumors are that uh, Rick Remender is running the next big Marvel event. So uh, that's. Uh, yeah. Something, something to be on the lookout for. I'm assuming it must be plot threads from Uncanny Avengers. Hope so. Oh, so that that's one you read, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I do love that book. Oh, see, I, I don't even read that book. I don't even know what's going on in that. It's so so far away from uh, Infinity, it's not even funny. <laughs> really? It, yeah. So it is about, like, the stuff from Uncanny X-Force? Yeah, it picks up uh, from there, and it uh, picks up some threads from... Um, uh, a little bit from Avengers versus X Men, the the good bits I like to say, um, but it's um, it's so funny because the that kind that book is kind of an event book in itself, 
and just how kind of big in scope it is. But it so does not mesh with Infinity. There's so many kind of continuity errors between the two of them. They're in a total separate universe, it almost seems like, which I'm totally fine with. <laughs> Doesn't it have some crossover, like just like the tiniest bit with uh, Jason Aaron's Thor? Not yet. Not yet? There's not like a young Thor issue that they Oh, did? well... Yeah, they did have one issue. Um, a, a, it was a pretty long while back uh, that tied in a bit. The, I think it might have been the. Um, uh, there was like a one of zero issue. I don't know. They did have one issue that sort of tied in with um, previous uh, Thor stuff a little bit. Just just the fact that he was young. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was basically, it was that same kind of, you know, the, the same young Thor that was in the Thor book, but it didn't really. I wouldn't say it really tied in with it. Watch it fall out as we fall to our knees with bammed faces. Watch it bleed free like the wind from the trees with them faces. So let's talk about instead comics that we are very excited about. Now, obviously, when we do this podcast, a lot of folks know that we talk a lot about superhero books, and that's sort of the thing that most people think of when they think of comics. They think of guys in tights or ladies in tights, um, you know, with the capes flying around, saving the day, the things they make the movies out of. I mean, that's sort of what we tend to focus on because that's, one, what we grew up loving, but also what a lot of people recognize. But... There are other comics, folks, and we have mentioned them before on this podcast. So I really wanted to give Shane, Harper, and myself to an extent the opportunity to talk maybe a little bit about some stuff that's un- unappreciated or underappreciated out there from either the big two or you know even outside of that uh, from things like Oni Press and uh, Image and Dark Horse and the like. So... Um, I really wanted to dig into that, and Shane, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but darn it, I want you to be able to sell this sucker to to the folks if you can, which I know you'll be able to. <laughs> so Shane, um, after you, man. <laughs> you're, you're assuming it's going to be Fables, right? Oh, for sure, or Ferris. Um, well, I wouldn't say Ferris just yet, because you got to read Fables to understand Ferris, as much as they try to act like they're two separate series. Um, yeah, I, I think... Uh, I think I'll go with two just because uh, I'll pick one that's uh, been running for a while, which would be Fables, and then I'll pick one that's been running a little bit shorter and probably be easier to catch up for most people. Sounds good. But um, with uh, with The Wolf Among Us being released, and I still have not had a chance to play any more of it yet, but I really want to, and it's been very frustrating that I've been having to do things for work and things like that, and I haven't been able to stop and play that game any. But um, with The Wolf Among Us coming out, there's been a lot of talk about this game and how good it is and how it compares to the walking dead game and there's been a lot of hype starting to build for it i don't think it's gotten to the walking dead level just yet but i think there's definitely the potential that it could um and so with that in mind i think people are hopefully uh as they did with the walking dead as when it became a tv show will become interested in the source material and uh so that source material being fables uh it's a comic that started in 2003 by uh, Bill Willingham and Mark Buckingham, and uh, for the most part, they have been the writer and artist on that book ever since. Um, other artists have come in and done guest things, and they've every now and then had a different writer. Um, but for the most part, they're the two that have been doing it. Um, 
it's basically just about what if fairy tale characters lived in our world. Um, and there's a lot of different things that go into that. So um, there's this idea that because they're fables, they're a little bit immortal if their story is very popular. Um, something happens to Snow White very early on in the book, and it uh, she's able to recover from it because she is the most popular fairy tale. Um, it's it's basically just about their day to day lives and how they have to deal with all kinds of stuff. Um, and uh, has one of my favorite characters in all of comic books, which is Bigby Wolf, who is the focus of the video game. Uh, Sheriff of Fable Town has to go around finding out stuff, and it's it's just a it's a fantastic comic. I've, I've always been a fan of stuff that did things like this, taking characters from other sources of literature and putting them together. So I love League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and things like that. So this was something I knew in concept I had to read, but I did not realize when I first picked it up that I would fall in love with it as much as I have. Would you say, how does it compare to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Do you think it's better? Uh, do you think it's richer? Uh, um, that's really hard because League of Extraordinary Gentlemen doesn't have as much material <laughs> as a... Oh, well, that's debatable as well because, I mean, so much is loaded into just one panel of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Right. Um, it's They're different. Um, I, I can certainly love them both. But uh, I think I tend to prefer Fables, but that's probably just because that story still continues. Um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen does to an extent, but not nearly in the way Fables does. But I think if you enjoy one, you can enjoy the other. Is there a particular story arc that you think people could start with? Like, do they have to start from the beginning? Um, I would suggest starting with the beginning, but I would say... uh, so the first volume is uh, Legends in Exile, which is normally retails for about ten bucks. I think there's a tenth anniversary edition that retails for eleven now, which still isn't bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I think it's unfortunately it's one you have to read from the beginning. It can't be one that you just kind of pick and choose in different places just because they're characters you think you know. It's very much so a building story where you have to know what's been what's been going on, and that is a little scary for new readers, but. I can all I can promise is that it's worth it, particularly by the time you get to volume four, which is called March of the Wooden Soldiers. That is probably some of the best comics I've ever read. That that book was I read all the way up to nine, and I've been I've been uh, way behind for quite a few years now. But um, it was fantastic. It was my favorite book for a long time while I was reading it. That was before I really got into any superhero stuff, and I, I really did enjoy it. It's And and like you said, I, I can at least attest that it is worth reading from the beginning, absolutely. Would you argue that it's a good gateway comic for someone who doesn't read, who's, who's not really into the superhero thing, kind of yes. like, like, like my girlfriend, you know? It's... Uh, it's like, is this something that uh, the female side of readership could t- could take a look at and really enjoy? That's it, mostly most of its fan base is actually female, so yeah, okay. <laughs> very much so. Uh, and, and what about the comparisons to like Once Upon a Time? Uh, is that annoying? <laughs> I hate that show. Um, <laughs> mostly, the reason I hate that show is because uh, Fables was going to become a TV show, and then ABC was going to be the one that was going to show it, which is a terrible network for Fables to be on anyway. Sure, but. Uh, they were going to make Fables, and then they decided not to. And then not too long later, Once Upon a mm-hmm. Time shows up, and it has a very, very similar concept. Um, at, from what little bit I've seen from like promos and stuff for it, they seem to have gone on and done their own thing that's different from Fables. But at, at least its first season, it would be incredibly hard for me to watch it without rolling my eyes at everything. Yeah, the, the, Those previews I've seen for The Wonderland 
um, oh, versions. Uh, now I roll my eyes at those instead of rolling my eyes at Once Upon a Time. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I was a big Lost fan for a while. So seeing Naveen Andrews dressed up like, I, God, I don't even know whatever he's supposed to be dressed up as with that big wig and stuff. It looks awful. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, 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 I will say whatever I'll say about poor old Agents of Shield, but man, it looks better than that. I can't even. I couldn't even begin to watch uh, that Wonderland show. But um, well, that that that's interesting. So so basically, with Fables, it's a start from the beginning kind of thing. And how many trade paperbacks are out right now? Oh God. Uh... 15 or 16 holy cow maybe more are they affordable for the most part uh, is there an omnibus edition at all that's out that people can no but they do have hardcovers that have been coming out which basically come about two trades per comp per hardcover okay but but those and i think you remember you telling me those were actually pretty handsome editions right they, they are actually yeah they, they're i i, I want to go back and get them and i actually but i have uh i think i stopped at volume 13 and that's when I had caught up with the series, but uh, I want to go back and get the hardcovers. Right on. Oh, that 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 sounds awesome. Well, the uh, yeah, it's it's Fables is a series that I still have borrowed from Jesse, and I still have not cracked it open. Yes, Jesse, I will read those, <laughs> and I will do it uh, very very soon. Um, just so I can have some kind of conversation with Shane at some point about this series that's uh, at least somewhat uh, educated. But uh, yeah, I think I, I I think you sell it well, sir. What was the second series that you think people can jump onto that's a little uh, easier to get? Um, I think uh, Ghosted is one I found myself enjoying a lot, and I know I brought it up on here. Um, it's just it plays with a lot of the same tropes of the uh, haunted house genre and things like that that we all know. But I think the art really sells that book, and I think the uh, humor and the uh, actual scares at times really sell that book. And it's only four issues in, so. Really easy to pick up. Um, I think even a trade's coming out pretty soon, so there you go. Nice, and it's gonna be like one of those uh, nine ninety nine image trades, I guess. Possibly, yeah. It is. It is an image book, right? It is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. Yeah, they 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 pop out the trades pretty very pretty darn quickly. Um, Harper, so what would be two series then? I'll give you two two options uh, okay. that uh, you think are underappreciated that you think people could hop onto. All right. Well, uh, my first. It's from uh, a creator who has one of the most popular books out right now, uh, being Saga. But I think one that is somehow still not being talked about quite as much is The Private Eye, which is his, uh, his digital-only series with uh, Marcos Martin. Um, and it's a, it's a pay-what-you-want book. It's self-published by the two of them. Um, it comes in non-DRM format. Uh, you get PDF or whatever you'd like. Um, and it is easily one of the best books I'm reading right now. Um, it's one of maybe two or three, maybe outside of uh, Lock and Key and, and maybe a few other things that I get really, really excited about when it comes out. Um, it's it's a, a really interesting story to start with. It's a really great concept about um, it's this future where privacy is kind of the most valued thing. It's a world where uh, all this information that in the present, we're constantly putting out on the internet and out in public on Twitter and on Facebook and everything. It's somehow all leaked. They, they use this great metaphor saying that the cloud burst and there was this flood of, of information and everybody's uh, private desires and uh, and little, you know, awful, awful secrets come out and, and lives were ruined and businesses were shattered and it, and it almost destroyed the economy and all this stuff. And uh, so this is a world where 
our main character is a private eye, which is a very illegal thing to be. Um, and he is uh, knee-deep in this really interesting mystery about this woman that was murdered that was a client of his. Uh, and it's a world where everybody has this, uh, at least one secret identity. Everybody wears these these shape-shifting masks. So it's really interesting in terms of identity and privacy. And, uh, and, and on top of the kind of deeper themes of it, it is a gorgeous book. Uh, Marcos Martin has always been one of my favorites. He's fantastic. But in this digital format where he has no limitations as far as uh, you know how to how to break up the pages, and there's there's no ads, um, and and it's in this great widescreen format because it's you know made specifically to be viewed on a computer or on a tablet. It's absolutely gorgeous, um, and the the colors are just they pop like you know th- something you've never seen before, um, and it's just got this great mood of this kind of uh, Raymond Chandler meets Blade Runner sort of mood. Um, so it's not not a very dark world necessarily, but it's very noirish in in the more kind of in your face and colorful, exciting way. Um, so it's kind of hard to describe, but it's a very very good book. Um, the other book that I would uh, recommend highly. Um, oh, and I should say, uh, Private Eye is only on the fourth issue, and you can get all of them anytime on um, uh, Panel Syndicate. It's either Panel Syndicate or ThePanelSyndicate.com. I'm not sure. Can I, can I tell um, you how much how much you've sold me on on the idea of uh, Raymond Chandler meets Blade Runner? But oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's already a nice start. Plus, Marcos Martin is one of my favorite artists. So. Uh, and hell, you could you could pay whatever you want for them, so there's no excuse. They're they're insanely good. Yeah, it's too bad about the Brian K. Vaughn thing. Um, yeah, I know you guys aren't huge fans, which <laughs> boggles my mind. But. <laughs> Sorry, I, it 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 is uh it is one of my uh, uh, one of my worst qualities. I'm sad to say. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I would highly recommend that. But also, um, probably a little lesser known even than that, um, Jeff Lemire's book uh, Trillium that's coming out at Vertigo right now. Uh, the third issue came out just a couple weeks ago. And this is a book that he's writing and drawing, and it's it's really exciting and very, very unique um, among a bunch of books that feel very similar a lot of the time. Um, and that's that's a really interesting book about uh, two kind of intersecting stories about a man in, in what seems like, I think, the 1940s who's uh, exploring the Amazon jungle looking for treasure, and also a woman in the far, far future who is a scientist trying to stop a spread of a disease that is threatening the entire human race, um, and which those two things don't sound like they could possibly have anything in common, but there's this really interesting kind of intersecting uh, time travel aspect of it. And again, with this one, uh, one of the main things that draws me to it is the art, um, which I haven't read that much of uh, Jeff Lemire's stuff that he's uh, drawn before or, or painted, um, but this one is really, really, really nice looking. Um, another very colorful but uses kind of a different color palette than the average book um and to see something with those kind of two very very disparate genres put together with the same art style is really exciting and interesting to see uh every month when it comes out do they maintain the flip book format from the first issue no which i was actually okay with um i really really liked the flip book thing in the first issue but i was wondering how they were going to kind of continue that um, the second issue kind of ignored it entirely, and the third one had a little bit uh, – it didn't flip, but it had some 
aspects of it that I think you did have to flip it in places, but it wasn't like a flip book. You know, it didn't meet in the middle like the, like the first issue did. Yeah. I have the, the second and third issue, and I haven't read them yet because I just – I have a hard time getting excited sometimes when it's not like the superhero stuff because I, I don't always remember what happened uh, mm-hmm. previous issues you know it's easy to sit down and say i remember green lantern and i remember what happened in batman uh without i mean it's just because you know it's batman it's easy to catch up with it's you know i, I don't want to say they're comics for for stupid people like me but they are comics that are like a little easier to pick up on uh whereas with uh, a book like trillium or i don't know, like the wake or mind management mm-hmm. or something like that I'll, I'll pick back up and I'll think, oh God, what happened last issue? I already forgot, and I'll have to like go back and flip through because there's not actually any sort of uh, recap like with the Marvel books, you know, where they have a whole page of recap. But um, I did enjoy that first issue. I need to read the next two. They're they're in my pile to be read. Um, but I I, I I definitely echo that um, that sentiment uh, on Trillium. Not only that, but I think Jeff Lemire's best work is done with the, the stuff that he himself uh, does the art on. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Did you ever read Sweet Tooth? I, I've read bits and pieces of it, um, but not, not the whole thing. But I, I haven't been a huge... I, I do like his Animal Man book uh, for the most part. And, uh, some parts have been better than others, but um, for the most part, I haven't really enjoyed a lot of his kind of mainstream stuff with other artists, so I was very, very pleasantly surprised when I picked this up. Yeah, this I mean, this is all him. So that's that's what's exciting about it. And, you know, I read The Underwater Welder, uh, which I did an article on on the site uh, a few months back. And that was a book that I I thought was good, but not great. It's still a nice idea. And it had a lot of heart to it, which, you know, sometimes lacking in comics these days. But on the whole, I think Lemire is one of the more talented creators at DC. I love Green Arrow, by the way. So I think Green Arrow is like one of the best superhero books they put out. But I think I'm the only one reading that in this crew. So, <laughs> uh, well, that that that's awesome, Harper. Yeah, I, I, I definitely can echo both of y'all's, uh, you know, some of y'all's stuff. Other than the fables that I haven't read and the private eye that I haven't read. But uh, I, I certainly think those are those are great books uh, beyond that. And I'm, I'm going to try and dig into them based on y'all's suggestions. For mine, um, you guys know I like crime books, right? I'm really into uh, true crime stuff. I always have been. And I decided to invest the other like month ago, I, I decided to invest in the deluxe editions of Criminal, which was the, uh, and still is technically, I guess it's still running, is the uh, ongoing series that Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips work on. Now, um, they currently have a series called Fatal that's also fantastic, and I've talked about it on the show before, uh, and I think it's one of the best books that's out. But Criminal's even better. And, you know, the best way I can sell Criminal is, uh, did you like The Wire? Well, this is maybe better. <laughs> um, and it, 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 it's a number of short stories in one interconnecting city that deal with all various aspects of crime. And there, I mean, there's, there's, there's pickpockets, there's thieves, there's uh, all, all kinds of city kingpins. And there's even an amazing story, maybe the best story in the entire criminal uh, oeuvre uh, called Last of the Innocent which was a story a couple years ago that won an Eisner Award, and it's basically what happens to the Archie characters when they grow <laughs> up. 
Um, I love everything Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips do together. I can't recommend that book enough, both volumes uh, and their beautiful hardcover editions. Um, I, 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 I definitely think that it stands up along with like their work in Sleeper. And uh, they're working Fatal currently and Scene of the Crime. I think it all lines up to some of the best stuff that uh, I've seen in comics, particularly on the more grounded, gritty side of things in recent years. But I would say it's, it's, it's not a cheap investment. You probably will end up spending about 40 to $50 for each hardcover, but it's so worth it. I mean, if you enjoy anything that Ed Brubaker did on Captain America or Gotham Central or uh, his work on Iron Fist, I, I, or Daredevil even, I would dig into Criminal. Uh, it's, it's like that, but, you know, really, really good. Uh, and so far beyond anything he ever did for either of the big two that it's, it's kind of shocking. Uh, a second, for a second recommendation I would make is actually from the Vertigo line of things. Um, everybody likes vampires. I kind of dig vampires too. Uh, maybe not the True Blood variety, but I do certainly like a little bit of vampires in my fiction. So I'm going to recommend American Vampire, which is a pretty long-running series. It's about to start back up in the next couple months. Maybe even, I think by January is when it's kicking back off, Harper and Shane. Something um, like that. Yeah. So the idea behind American Vampire is that a new breed of vampire has uh, emerged within the continental United States. And uh, Skinner Sweet... This blonde-haired, uh, candy-sucking vampire uh, from the Old West is uh, the first sort of example of this vampire, or at least that we're aware of to a certain point. Uh, it's they, they can walk during the daylight, they're affected by gold, and they're a lot tougher than the standard vampires that you see walking day by day. He ends up infecting a girl named Pearl uh, in the 1930s, who, ends, who is a, an actress in Hollywood, and the scope of American Vampire is impressive because it ranges from the um, the Indian Wars all the way to I guess at this point they're past the uh, the Red Scare communist days and into some of the 1970s 1980s. Um, it's been a book that Scott Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque have been working on for quite some time. Super super impressive. Um, a little hit and miss sometimes with its individual stories, but I will say that it's a book that keeps getting better and better as you go, particularly as you get a sense of just how much the vampires work within the history of the United States. Uh, it's a well-researched book, uh, really clever, and it's got two parallel storylines that go on at all times. Uh, you have the story of Pearl and Skinner Sweet, while at the same time you also have the story of this vampire hunting organization that's led uh, eventually by the woman who Skinner had uh, murdered her, her father many years beforehand. Uh, in some of his first uh, outlaw days, adventures when he was a vampire uh, when he was much younger. Um, I'm looking forward to this book coming back. It is maybe some of Scott Snyder's best stuff. As good, much as I like his Batman work, as much as I'm enjoying The Wake currently, 
I think people could really dig into some of his work with American Vampire. Plus, he's got a really clever explanation for werewolves and zombies, too. Uh, they're all basically the same type of thing. They just happen to be a little slower or a little hairier. <laughs> and it's just various uh, various uh, strains of vampirism, more or less. But it's they don't necessarily just refer to them only as vampires. It's, it's pretty cool, and it's a neat bit of mythology that Stephen King worked on with him as well. So uh, I would recommend American Vampire. Now going to dig in really quickly into the past week and a half to two weeks. What did we enjoy the most? What did we enjoy the least? Uh, Shane, I haven't heard from you in a bit, so uh, this past week, what would you say was your read of the week? Uh, at the uh, risk of repeating myself, I think uh, Fables was my uh, read of the week. Um, it was an issue that de- dealt with uh, the afterlife uh, and how that works in this comic book uh, universe. And we were able to be reunited with a character who's been dead for quite a while. And um, I won't say who, just in case anybody's interested in reading fables. But uh, it was it was very nice to uh, see this character again. And it was, it was just a very somber and uh, very heartfelt issue and um, made me really excited for what's to come in this book. So what, what, what is the afterlife like in Fable's world? Uh, it seems to be pretty different for each person. And um, for some people, or Fable's, I should say, there seems to be an option to come back, and that seems to be what's going to happen with the uh, other figure, other character involved with this book. It's uh, largely a conversation just between two people the entire issue. Oh, okay. So it's not based around any sort of fairy tale existing thing. It's um, the two characters are, but nothing in particular. I, not that I know of. Okay, no, that that that's neat. I uh, I, that that sounds that sounds kind of fascinating. I, I the idea of like the, these are interpretations of the afterlife are interesting to me. So that's uh, that that's that's quite cool. Um, what what would you say was your worst read of the week, Shane? Um, I think Fantastic Four. That book is just taking a dive and maybe it's because now i know that it's ending and then rebooting but that that book is just awful can we can we talk about that for a second because (laughs) i am so annoyed right now about this fantastic four business so i loved ff Mm -hmm. i never read an issue of fantastic four okay uh harper were you reading any of those books no i haven't oh okay what what good are you um (laughs) kidding um, so FF was really fun, quirky Mike Allred, Matt Fraction, good times. Like it was, it was a, it was a really unique book in the Marvel line, I thought. And it had a lot of personality, a lot of quirkiness. Fantastic Four, you know, Mark Bagley art. Meh. I mean, it, it was, it was whatever. Um, I read very little of it because I just had no interest in it. Um, now my aggravation is starting to pile in because I feel like those stories are starting to combine and get wrapped up really quickly. And I just, I don't care. (laughs) I mean, Fraction's barely on those books anymore. He's got Lee Allred scripting FF and you got Carl Kessel, I think, uh, scripting Fantastic Four. And FF is already starting to suck too. Like the book is nowhere near as good. Like Lee Allred's a good writer, but he can't, he can't write another man's plot, you know? And Carl Kessel's not a bad writer, but again, he's stuck writing Fraction's plot. So 
I, I'm, I'm a little mad because I don't want to feel like I got to go buy Fantastic Four because I just don't care about that plot. But now I all of a sudden feel like I'm going to miss something if I don't get it. That's that's interesting because I feel like uh, pretty much the inverse of that, where it's like uh, a lot of stuff, particularly for the past like two or three issues, have been implying things that I know were going on in FF, and I guess we're just now getting to that. And it was it's been slightly confusing, but I've just had to. I've just kind of powered through it and kind of just dealt with it because I'm kind of just waiting for this book to restart. Yeah, uh, hopefully uh, with James Robinson. Would you stick on if he came onto that book? Yeah, probably. Yeah, um, I'm hoping that uh, the rumors of the Miss Thing book are true with Lee Allred and Mike Allred because that's that's probably where I would end up going if uh, the book uh, if that book got announced. I don't know if I would stick around just for James Robinson's Fantastic Four. Maybe, maybe not. Kind of fifty fifty. Um, so Harper, what was your best read of the past week? Uh, I loved uh, Wonder Woman this week. I thought it was great. Um, I, th- I thought Wonder Woman and Batwoman were both very good, uh, but I'm too sad about Batwoman to talk about it. <laughs> um, Wonder Woman, we're kind of starting to move into finally a new story, which um, this original kind of long, long arc was very good, but it has drawn out a little bit. Um, so to see this one where now we sort of see the consequences of Wonder Woman uh, becoming the god of war and kind of reluctantly or, or maybe not doing it at all, uh, taking her place on the, the pantheon uh, with the other gods who all hate her. Um, so that that's really interesting. And I, I loved the interaction between um, Hermes and Wonder Woman and uh, uh, Hera, who, you know, Hermes did something, I, I won't spoil it, but he did something that, seemed pretty awful um, midway in the series. Um, and But he doesn't understand why they don't forgive him, but they forgive Hera, who was, uh, you know, trying to murder a baby <laughs> in issue one. Right. Um, so that was kind of interesting, like, yeah, he's right about that. <laughs> like, I didn't think about it that way. Um, and also, um, I'm trying to remember who drew this issue. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, but he does the best Cliff Chang impression I've ever seen. Uh, um, Goran Sadzuka. Yes, um, it's most of the time that kind of bothers me, but he does it so well that I just kind of like to think it's it's just Cliff Chang continuing to do the book. Um, so I, I don't think he has quite the sense of action. Um, it's not quite as dynamic as Cliff Chang is, but the style is and uh, and the the heavy lines and the coloring and all is is very dead on in the book style. So that was that was really cool to see. Um, so I did really enjoy that. Nice. Well, that, I, I like that issue too. Uh, Chain, did you read Wonder Woman this week or last week? I did. Cool. Mm-hmm. Did, did you did you did you enjoy it as well? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I, that's I, I I felt that way too. Like I I didn't love love the book. Like I still kind of feel like it, it skates on a little longer than I would like uh, in mm-hmm. terms of getting its plot together. But it is one of the better plots that DC's putting out right now. I I especially liked that that final panel where it looks like Apollo set Firstborn on fire, uh, which I thought was very very interesting. I don't know if Firstborn's going to survive that or if it's just a part of torture or what that is, but I, I do think there is some very complex characterization going on, and um, it's a book that I mean it's it's one of my first things I read as soon as I pull out my uh, my pop, my pull altogether. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. And Sadzuka's art is very nice. 
Uh, he's taking over for Tony Akins, I think, as their fill-in now. So uh, you'll have a much better uh, – things will feel a lot smoother from here on out. Yeah. But Chan can't keep up, I think. Yeah, that was I, – I thought Tony Akins was okay, but it's just – the the transition from beautiful beautiful Cliff Chang art to to his stuff was a little annoying at times. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so, what was your worst read of the week? Uh, again, so uh, Shane may have sounded like a broken record talking about fables. I'll sound like a broken record saying I uh, I it was Avengers this week. This was kind of my last straw for Infinity. It was just so dull, and I I couldn't tell you. There was some more stuff with the builders. That's my summary of, of the book. <laughs> so are you going to drop the book? Uh, I think I am, yeah. Wow. There it is. Uh, first drop from the worst worst reads <laughs> that I can think of anyway. Uh, that's that's uh, that, that that's pretty telling, man. I, I don't know how much longer I'm going to last on Avengers either, honestly. It just depends on how Infinity ends and sort of how the ongoing plot builds from there. I'm, I am getting pretty tired of Hickman's uh, Avengers myself. So I can I can relate to what you're saying completely, but I'm not quite at drop point yet. Though I might be if I decide that it's just not worth the 3.99 every week mm-hmm. and a half, two weeks that uh, we're having to push out. It just it starts to get a little uh, overwhelming. Um, for my part. In terms of the books that I think were the best this week, I think my number one best read, I'm probably going to say that uh, this past week's Justice League of America was my favorite. Now, I, I, I've been pretty underwhelmed by a lot of Matt Kent's mainstream superhero work, I'm sad to say. I really liked, uh, I mean, obviously I love Matt Mind Management. It's one of my favorite books, period. But I've had a hard time <clears throat> glomming onto his work with DC and Marvel. I thought Infinity, The Hunt, was awful. And his Villains Month books were not great. Uh, <laughs> some were better than others. Most were not very exciting. But I feel like with Justice League of America this past week, he finally not only got connected with an artist that understood his storytelling ability – but he also was able to tell a story that's a bit more in his purview. Um, the idea behind the story being that uh, you know we didn't know in Forever Evil where these Justice League of America members were hiding, and we talked about this a little bit earlier. But they're basically hidden in some sort of like mind prison, and we get an opportunity with Martian Manhunter and with Star Girl. We get the opportunity to see them sort of talk with each member of the Justice League and some of the the mental issues that they're dealing with. There's a particularly beautiful passage with Flash uh, that Doug Monk draws. He draws the whole issue, but his art with this Flash paneling was just unbelievable. It was really on par with something that you would see um, Francis Manipole do. And it was really impressive. I hadn't gotten a chance to see a lot of great Doug Monk art lately because he's been under such pressing deadlines and changing books constantly. And we, had, we hadn't had a chance to see Doug Monk unleashed. But uh, I, I was really excited, and uh, this, this, uh, this was an opportunity to get to see that. So I, I, I read quite a few good books this week, including like Hawkeye and, and uh, Wonder Woman. But I think JLA was like the biggest surprise, and it felt so different that it, it, it's probably my best read of the week. On my worst read of the week side of things, well, you guys have talked about Avengers already. So 
<laughs> I'm going to say, from technical merits side, I think Batman Superman was probably my least exciting read of the week. It wasn't a bad book. Um, it's the continuing ongoing story of, uh, uh, or rather, excuse me, the wrap up of the Superman and Batman of Earth One meeting their counterparts on Earth Two. And I, I mean, the art is gorgeous. Like I love Jay Lee's art, and I think Greg Pak is a very good storyteller, and I think his storytelling abilities here are quite clever. Um, but there are technical issues, like Barper and I talked about here uh, before the show started, that it's very difficult to to know who's saying what at certain points in time, and they attempt to differentiate the Superman of Earth 1 and Earth 2 with different text boxes, different colored text boxes, different, slightly different fonts with different symbols in front of them. And even then, because, like Harper said, because of Jay Lee's art, I still have no idea who was doing what and when. Um, I was having a lot of issues with that. Um, also, I was having a lot of problems with the way the story ended. I gotta say, there's nothing I like less than... We're going to wipe your memory clean like this never happened and you'll never remember it. Um, I, I get that they're trying to have some continuity footwork here because uh, basically they were they, they were trying to make like Batman and Superman have never met before. And certainly that they would have never met their counterparts. I have real issues with the way that that was that was developed. Um, I think it's cheap, uh, particularly for a story that was doing so well. Uh, up until that point, and I just found it a little disappointing because it makes me feel like the entire book just doesn't count. Um, hopefully, the stories will continue, though, their inventive storytelling style. Unfortunately, the next artist on the book is Brett Booth. So, um, this can only be so exciting, I think. <laughs> and I'm not sure if I'll be hanging on to Superman, Batman, or Batman, Superman, excuse me, for a whole hell of a lot longer. But I really like Superman, Wonder Woman, for what it's worth. And uh, I'm looking forward to where that book goes next. So uh, at least one of those team-up books has still got my interest. And I'm very interested in where it may be going. So that is our uh, best reads of the week. And now, I'm just curious, guys. We've got an interesting week ahead in terms of comics, movies, games, all kinds of fun stuff. What... Shane, you first. Are you looking forward to most next week? Um, it's uh, it's odd just because uh, it's not really anything coming out, but I my mind's completely on my trip to Halloween Horror Nights this weekend. Nice, that's right. I, I'm, I can't that. wait. Heck yeah, man! I'm I'm sorry we can't join you. The uh, the budget did not no, allow fine. for it, <laughs> as it as it seems. But uh, it, I bet that's going to be a great time. Yeah, it was your brother's birthday today too. It is. Yeah, that's uh, so. It's like a, sort of an early birthday or late birthday present. Mm-hmm. So that's really exciting. Um, so what's going to be the first thing you go to? I know you have a game plan. Uh, probably Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, I look forward to a full report next show yeah. about uh, right. Halloween Horror Nights and uh, sort of what every ride entails in full detail. I want spoilers. Okay. That, that, that's very exciting. Uh, any comics that you're looking forward to the most? Um, I'd have to look and see what's coming out. Um, not really. There's not really anything that's... Um, I mean, I, I'm... 
I'm excited for whatever I'm going to pick up, but there's nothing that just is standing out as something I'm just absolutely pumped for. Right on. No, I guess Thunderbolts, but that's about it. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I will say the next issue of Satellite Sam is supposed to come out next week, I think. Or right. this week. So that's kind of uh, uh, bonerific in its own way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Satellite Sam and Sex Criminals, for that matter. So that's exciting. And since I'm talking about it, I will say that I'm really pumped for Velvet that's coming out this week, which is the new uh, Brubaker and uh, Steve Epting book, which was the uh, mm. team that brought us Winter Soldier. So that could be a really cool espionage title. So it's going to be a big, heavy image week for me this week, but we've got Daredevil meeting the, the, the League of Monsters or whatever the hell they're called at Marvel, the vampire and the werewolf and stuff. And uh, hopefully a better issue of FF coming as well. So I'm I'm pretty pumped with uh, for that and even the origin of Ultraman. But for me, the number one has got to be Arkham Origins on Friday, mm-hmm. gentlemen. I am taking Friday off of work to play that damn game, <laughs> and if I don't beat it by the end of the weekend. That means there's something wrong with the game, <laughs> and we may have bad news. So uh, expect full reviews on Arkham Origins and Halloween Horror Nights on the next episode of the Key Greg's podcast. Harper, what about you? What are you looking forward to next week, bud? Uh, I'm hopefully going to get to go see uh, The Counselor when it comes out this weekend, um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, very hopeful about it, uh, just looking at the cast and, and the uh, creative uh, folks on that. Um, on the comic side of it, there's a couple of my standby favorites, uh, Uncanny Avengers and Daredevil coming out. But just for the sake of uh, saying something different, um, this is kind of a, a kid's animation week for me. Uh, and I didn't really expect that. I had forgotten these were coming out. There's a Beware the Batman comic starting up and also a Samurai Jack comic starting up. Um, and Beware the Batman is one of my favorite cartoons right now. And Samurai Jack was one of my favorite cartoons in years past. So... I'm uh, I'm interested to see how those play out. I've I've never been a, a regular reader of a whole lot of uh, comics like that, although I did enjoy uh, the Adventure Time comic for a while. Um, so I'm going to give them a shot. Nice, uh, that that's exciting. I know you're a big cartoon guy, so that's mm-hmm. uh, that that's that that's very interesting. Uh, that uh, that that you know they might be pumping out some stuff you'd be interested in. Uh, and so we'll be touching a little bit on cartoons next week too, since we're going to talk a little bit more about Beware of the Batman. Hopefully, I can damn catch up at some point so Harper and I can have this conversation, uh, and I won't feel completely lost about what the heck's going on. Um, also, you know what I, I noticed for those who have deep pockets. Absolute Joker Luther's coming out. Um, I don't know if you guys ever read the Azarello Bermejo Joker and Lex Luthor stories. Man, those things are gorgeous. Gorgeous. And I uh, I cannot recommend that hardcover enough for anybody that likes really nice Lee Bermejo art. And some pretty interesting uh, revisionist storytelling by Brian Azarello, particularly with that Joker book that I think is great. Um, it's ninety nine ninety nine, <laughs> so you really gotta have deep pockets to pick that one up. But I, it might be something that may be catching your eye if you're at the comic store on Wednesday and you think, oh gosh, I've got money to burn. I wish I had that kind of money to burn. Anyway, um, well that's gonna wrap it up for this week. But uh, guys, thank you so much. Shane, have fun in Orlando. Have a safe trip, sir. And, have a great uh, time. Yeah, Harper. I guess we'll just uh, party it up on Halloween, buddy. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys.